<laughs> Welcome in, everybody. Uh, Coach Wilson, Nick Wilson here on Guess What, Coach. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We really do appreciate it. And my first guest in the show's history, I got Coach Michael Short, uh, head coach of the Cleveland County Tigers. Used to be. Used to be. Former. <laughs> former. You're enjoying retirement, which I think is what we're all chasing. But uh, yeah. but what we're going to do, Coach, is we're just going to sit and talk some talk some ball, talk talk about the program, mm -hmm. talk about your time as a head coach, mm -hmm. your time as, as an assistant, many stories that you'd like to share. But <laughs> what, I, what I'd like to talk about, I guess my first question is, is really kind of tell us about how you got into coaching. And, you know, I've heard the story, but for the folks out there listening – why did you get into coaching? How did you get into coaching? What was what was it about the the career that you fell in love with? Well, you know, I was very fortunate to have you know good coaches when I was in high school. Uh, my football coach when I was in high school uh, was George Hobbazell, and Coach Hobbazell was you know was from Anniston, mm -hmm. but he made you know I was on the back end of his career, I guess you would say, and uh, he went on and. And went to Georgia and coached over there and been everywhere. But you know, being coached by him and the and all the assistance that I had, uh, I knew at an early age when I was probably in junior high school that I kind of wanted to. I mean, I like to do this. I would like to. I he made a difference in my life and a lot of the guys that were good friends of mine because he was so tough on us. And I knew that I thought you know I would like to give that back to somebody myself. And I know that's said a lot. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people say, hey, they had, but everybody's had a mentor. Everybody. You know, usually if you get into coaching or, you you know, I guess when I got to school, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. But I also know a lot of guys that never even thought about coaching. But then all of a sudden they thought back and they thought of playing a sport and they were working. They said, you know what, I'd like to make a difference like my coach made for me. Mm -hmm. So really it's just about giving back. Everybody that coaches, I bet you're the same way. You think yeah. back and there was somebody – that has something to do you wanting to be a coach because it's it's a very big responsibility that I think sometimes now maybe some guys just get in it because they say I want the glamours of coaching mm -hmm. well you know what there are some times where it's glamorous but to me there's a lot more times where it's not glamorous that you have to get through to get to that yeah. point where it is glamorous you know it's funny you say that so I'll I'll go I'll kind of talk about my I guess journey a little bit because mm -hmm. I mean I'm an assistant coach. I'm not a head coach. Believe me, I was a long time. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to football, I mean I, I I coach. I'm the head golf coach at Asheville, and I'm an assistant football coach. Mm -hmm. But I never when I was getting when I was getting my education degree, I never in a million years thought I would coach. Now I knew I wanted to be involved in athletics, but I thought I I wanted to be that guy that was gonna you know help coaches coordinate game day and do a bunch of media stuff and mm -hmm. do like the social media stuff that's really become prevalent in modern day high school football programs that's right because they're starting to leverage social media just like college programs mm -hmm. and professional programs are so i wanted to be that guy well then i get back to my alma mater and some things happen and i kind of figure out that you know maybe i do want to do this coaching thing and mm -hmm. it kind of it kind of bit me i got i got the bug so to speak that's right but thinking back on it, you know, I have a, I have a coach too, Coach Coach Walls, Bubba Walls. Bubba Walls. And he will. I don't know if you know Coach Walls. He will never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually told him this, but when he was at Asheville when I was in high school, he made such a huge impact on me. Mm. He was a nerd just like I was, and so he could talk to me about non football stuff. 
that y'all related. But, the, but then when I asked him about football, he could he coach mode came on. He talked to and you know he was just he was just real patient with me when it came to a bunch of stuff and um I I was so thankful for his guidance and I guess really until you just kind of said that just now about Coach Hobbazell that I I really I guess hadn't recognized who the guy that really kind of I guess pushed me into it subconsciously but it's it's a really interesting thing because the thing that you said about the whole glamour side of it mm-hmm. I. I I really do think there are a lot of coaches out there that are in it to chase to chase the the glitz and the glam. And, oh yeah, and the, and the fame. Really, That's it's right. it's kind of become about fame too. It can be, especially nowadays with social media. Exactly. I mean, yeah. especially if you've got a good program with a really supportive community, mm-hmm. you're gonna push. You're you're gonna you're gonna be the focus of that community. That's right. You're gonna be the star. Uh, but you have to, and you mentioned it, and I don't know if you knew what you were saying at that point in time, but. Coach Walls had had the ability to go from being nerd to now we turn on the football mode. Yes. And the good ones learn how to turn it on and off because a good football coach is also a good teacher. So you're not always around football players. You're around other people that you have an opportunity as a coach to make a difference in. You know, so being able to turn on and off, because you may be talking to a kid that could care less about football, but you still have to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Those guys that one day when you're 35 years old and you're looking for somebody to work on your truck yeah. or your car, that's that guy you go back to and he says, I remember you. You didn't yeah. ever bring up football to me. You didn't yeah. bring up sports. You just talked about life. Yeah. To me, the good ones can do that. And, you know, he that was also at a point in my life where I had – I'm not going to say I'd given up on sports and I'd given up on athletics, but it was – it was kind of a time in my life where I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't have any direction. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had no direction. I had no, uh, I had no, um, shout out, by the way, to the St. Clair County Sheriff's Department who just. <laughs> We're protected. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, um, but I, he, he kind of directed me back in. And, because you look at when you're young, you look at sports in a completely different way than when you're older, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to football, because this is what I tell people all the time about football, and tell me what you think about this. You know, and, and I'm, I don't mean any offense to any other sport, but with football, it's, okay, that senior night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop, I'm going to take off those pads, and I'm going to take off those jerseys. <laughs> we, we just, we've had three sheriff's deputies coming here and wink at me. I don't know if that's a good Make thing. Make sure or nothing's happening outside. <laughs> Um, but so we, you know, that's the last time you're going to put on pads for 99% of the kids out there. That's it. It's not, you go and play a pickup game of tackle football with pads and your school helmet. Like you can go do that with basketball. You can go do that with volleyball. You can Mm -hmm. go do that with golf. You can go do it with baseball. You can go do it with just about any other sport. You can just go and have a pickup game on the weekend with your buddies from high school. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to do that with football. And I think it makes it so special. And when you get older, you you realize that it's like a you know, it's, you it's the grass is always greener on the other side. Absolutely, you form a bond with those guys that you play with. In, in my my senior year, when when that last game was over, Coach Hobbesdale had told us, he said, you know, you're always going to play. You know, a good coach said you're going to play ever play like it's your last one because you don't ever know when it may be your last one. Yeah. But boy, when that last ball game comes at home and. Uh, 
and and if it's at home too, I mean, yeah. if it just happens to be at home, and you, you just, uh, I mean, it's sad for for some of us that if you put enough into it, yeah, and that's like anything in life. When, when something's, uh, if you put enough into it, it's going to hurt you when it's over, and then you know that hurt, and then you have the memories. But even still today, if I really get to thinking about when I graduated or when my my last year of playing football, my last season, my last half my last quarter my last play yeah everybody thinks i wish i could go back and do it over and i would do so much more yeah and as a, a successful coach has to figure out a way to get those kids and those great ones can get those kids to play more than 100 percent because we ask a kid give me 100 percent then we say well give me 110 we ask you to give me 110 percent to get 90 that's why, because our human nature doesn't yeah. allow us to do that. But, boy, have you ever met anybody that said, I'd like to go back and do it again, yeah. and I would do things differently? I'm that way. I'm sure I, you were that way. I, I, I don't know. We got dogs. We got music. I don't know what that is. They but may be the, training. I know. Yeah, that's, probably, that's, that's exactly what they're doing. Um, so when you said a couple of key things there. What I noticed about that is that about what you just said when you talk about getting the most out of kids mm-hmm. it's always because because you know you kind of know what they're going to give and really as a judge of talent a lot of times you know what they can do mm-hmm. but also a lot of times that kid has a certain expectation of themselves and they don't know how good they can be so it's the it's it's the challenge is a coach for you to go in and, okay, you've got to go in and say, all right, look, I need you to do X and Y. Mm-hmm. And really you're looking for them to do Z, but you're preparing them to do Z even though they can't think about it. A lot of times it's mind games, right? You've got to get that kid to, to play better than he's going to play, than he thinks he can play well, that, or she can play. The good coaches can get that out of a kid because, you know, there's so many uh, – there, there's not a lot of high school All-Americans running yeah. around. Yeah. But even the high school All-American at some point in time is going to become a college All-American. And yeah. to get there, he has to figure out how to do better than, than what he did. How, how do I get better? How did, how did you approach that? When you, when you were you know, you were the head coach at Cleburne County for a long time, 31 mm-hmm. years? Well, I was the head coach 30. for 21, but I was there 21. 31. Okay, so you were there 31, head coach for 21. Yeah. While you were there, whether it was a position coach or as a head coach, how did you approach that? How did you approach getting that the the most out of your kids without them knowing it? Well, I think one of the first things you have to do is you have to break somebody down. Yeah. Even the ones that are that don't think very highly of themselves, mm-hmm. they always got a little bit about them that thinks, because yeah. they're good at something. Yeah. So we break everybody down, and then we got to figure out what are you good at? Because yeah. now i got to make sure that you become good at that. Because yeah. there's so many kids that don't reach their potential. Yeah. Because they don't know what their potential is. Exactly. So you've got to show them what their potential is. Why put a kid that's 5'10 mm-hmm. and 200 pounds in a position never to be successful? So to us as coaches, you've got to put kids in an opportunity to be successful, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in anything that you do. Yeah. I mean, you, so, just, you have to do that. We've got so, all kinds so, of music. So you, I know. Yeah, so you've got, you're judging basically at that point what's going to happen and where whether they realize it or not that's the thing though coach is like that's the part of the equation that I that I'm so interested in 
getting the kid to do something they don't even think they can do, right? So you talked about putting them, putting them in a position where they mm-hmm. can be successful. Be, yeah. But even if they're in the position that you know they could be the most successful, how do you, how do you coach them into that? Is it just sort of a, you just got to feel the kid out, or is it is there a formula that that you kind of followed where you knew okay, I've got this kid in the best position that he can be in. Now I've got to do this. Like, well, would you fill out the kid, or did, did you have did you have a process that was the same throughout? Yeah, you had to. I mean, you each kid's different. Mm-hmm. And those good coaches can real quickly figure out, you know, the kids that can do and cannot do. But to me, one of the most important things you have to do is know who the kid is, establish a relationship with him, uh, not just a on-the-field relationship, yeah. an off-the-field relationship. And not just with him, but to me, more important than that is to the family. When you know that mother and daddy. Now, here was my, uh, I guess it was easier for me, was because when I became a coach at Cleveland County, that's where I went to school. Now, there's positive and negative to that. Yeah. yeah. I knew everybody, but they also knew me. Yeah. I knew the mistakes they made, but they knew all the mistakes I made. So a lot of times by knowing their parents, you knew that this kid wasn't very positive about himself. Yeah. But you know why? Because they wasn't positive about him at home. I mean, yeah, they they loved their child. and say, Hey, I want this and I want that. But all he ever heard that little things – those little, what do you call them, subliminal messages, were negative. Yeah. So the first thing you do is find out how much negative is in his life, and we've got to get that changed yeah. to more positive because you can give him all the positive in the world, but if all he ever sees is negative at home, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to overtake what it's, you're it's trying to do. It's a battle. It's a constant fight. And when you're fighting back and forth, it's a tug of war. Mm-hmm. And, and how are you going to win? So you got to make that kid, whatever sport he is, you got to figure out a way to make him love that sport because that may be the only way that you can overcome that negativity at home is he loves it enough to overcome it. And, and that's, that goes true in, in everything that you do, your life, your family. I mean, you think about it as a coach. You're going to spend a lot of time away from home. So you got to figure out how can I still be a great father, a great husband, but I'm also a father to 75 other kids. Yeah. So I figure out how to weigh that. But getting those kids to play for you, I mean, man, it was it, it was always a challenge. And it's not just you, it's the whole staff. Yeah. Has to be pulling together. If, if one guy's not pulling that way, then it'll, it'll, it'll take your whole program down. As an assistant coach, because I know we'll probably have some assistant coaches out there, whether it's football or basketball or whatever, listen to this. How do you make sure you develop that relationship with that kid while – not encouraging behavior that's going to hurt the culture that the head coach is trying to establish. Because, you know, kids can act a certain way, and and I think a lot of times, especially young assistants, have to feel like they sort of play into, you know, we talked about this when we were eating lunch a second ago. It's harder for young assistants. I've been there. Mm -hmm. It's harder for us to relate to the kids without being a kid. So, and a lot of times that can sort of send the wrong message how do you be a good assistant coach and build relationships as an assistant coach with kids while still promoting that culture that the head coach wants you to promote? One thing that I asked my assistants to do, and, and either young or old, is to make sure you can be their friend. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people sometimes say, well, you can't be their friend. Yeah, you can be their friend, you just can't be their buddy. I got you. Because if I'm your friend, 
And, and you call me at 10 o'clock and say, Coach, I, I've wrecked my car. Can you come help me? Mm-hmm. A friend would go help. But buddies will ask you to come do more that's not right. That you shouldn't do. That you shouldn't do. Yeah. So if you can just be their friend and not their buddy, you've got most of the battle won as far as how to have relationships with kids and where, the, where you draw the line at. Yeah. Because they have to respect you. And, and if you don't get that respect, you can't go to, to, to step number two. I mean, you can't develop a relationship if you don't have respect. So you have to demand that respect from those kids. And you know what? Kids want, they're, they're searching for someone to respect. They're trying to find that guy out there that, that, that to they look was, up to. I mean, I got to find somebody. Yeah. You may not be getting it at home. And then sometimes the opposite of that is at home, they're being told they're the best thing there ever was. That may be even harder because now I got to break this kid down and say, look, I need you to join our team. I understand you're a good player. Yeah. But just because you're a good player, maybe the best player on our team, you've got to be able to play within the team concept. Yeah. If you can't, it's not going to work you'll fail. So I have to be able to take that kid and build him up, and then sometimes i got to take that kid and bring him down a notch. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of different ways to, to humble people. A lot of times I find out as a coach, while I'm trying to humble a certain child, I'm probably humbling myself too at the same time because the good Lord has a way of showing you things sometimes. Maybe when you, he, you think you're trying to show somebody else, he's really just showing you by using some other kid. To do that too. I mean, I think back over the over the days of of some of the discipline things we done to kids, or that I done to kids and, and make them. I think that a lot of times we would discipline back. By, I would say back in the day, you know, yeah, when I was yeah. disciplining kids, all coaches, the older ones, say back in the day. There's a reason for saying back in the day. There's a lot of things you may have used to do that you can't do now. Do I think they're wrong? No, I just think that a lot of times our society has changed a lot. And that certain kids, you don't get that uh, toughness built into you at home like you used to be. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just that toughness has to be built into you. It's different. It's different. And uh, some of the things we used to do to kids, I would think, wow, that kid made it. <laughs> I mean, he made <laughs> he it survived. through. Yeah, he survived it. And But every one of those kids, everyone will come back to you or has come back to me and say, Coach, do you remember that time that I did 40 forward rolls across the field, side rolls across the field, and drove that sled for like an hour? I yeah. thought I was going to die. Yeah. I said, and look at you now, you're the boss. Exactly. I mean, you made it through it. But at the same time, those kids have to learn that you are the boss and that if you say something, by all means you got to do it. Because if you put the rules out there, and then you don't do it. It's yes. the first rule as a teacher. Yes. Start out tough. You can always slack back. Mm-hmm. But I used to always say, hey, guys, start out tough and stay tough. Yeah. Because it is tough love. And, and there's, I know it's an easy cliche word, tough love, but there's some people can't do that. They're not wired to be tough on people. I don't want him to dislike me. That goes back to our buddy versus my friend. Yeah. You know, if I'm your friend, I mean, hey, you should expect me to be that way. Just like your greatest player on your team, better be the guy that's out there demanding excellence out of his out of his teammates. You have to. It, I, I've got a great story for you that sort of, I think, encapsulates everything that you're kind of talking about. So I had a kid, this was actually recently, well, I say recently, this was last season. So 
Okay, it was on a weekend. We were out of school, something. And I go into Subway here in town. Well, one of my football players was, was working the, the Subway line. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to the whole young thing that we were talking about, too, earlier. <laughs> it's, it's all connecting back, the yeah. story. And I walk in, and I said, hey, so-and-so. He said, hey, Nick. And I said, immediately. Yeah. In my mind, I knew what I had to do. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, do I need to go full coach mode right here in, in public in front of his, you know? And, and I knew, I knew that I had to. I knew that regardless of the setting, even and though you had it was to know public, him too. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I got to make sure that kid knows yeah. that it doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, that until he graduates, I'm coach. I'm coach. Now, after he graduates, that's, we can reassess. But he'll probably always call you coach. Exactly. And I said, what did you say to me? And I said it loud like that. And there was a line of folks waiting to get a say. Yeah. I said, what did you say to me? That's right. And he said it again. And I, I said his full name. And I said, son, how, I think I said, I think I said, yeah, I think it was Wall Sits. I said, son, you like sitting on that wall over there? <laughs> he said, coach, I, I, what, what, what are you talking about? I said, you don't know me like that. My name's Coach Wilson. That's right. That's what you call me. That's right. This, this isn't just because we're outside of school. And he said, well, Coach, I mean, we, we are, though. We're outside. I said, uh-uh. Mm. Uh-uh. I'm your coach. I'm your teacher. And you're going to show it. Mm. And I said, I may not be able to do it to you right now. But there will be consequences for this, for what you just did. Oh, yeah. And I said, because I gave him a chance to correct himself, and he didn't. He, yeah. said, it, he said it multiple times. And so, Coach, it, I, I want to say like six or seven weeks went by, and I finally got him at practice. Yeah. I finally got him at practice. And we did what I call splash drills. You, you know, you basically run a sprint down the field. Every time I blow the whistle, you hit the deck. Mm-hmm. You come up, you keep running every time. So, depending on how good you're doing, I might blow the whistle less. If you're, doing, if you're not going as fast as I think you are, I'm yeah. going to blow the whistle more, that kind of thing. <laughs> Well, buddy, did he learn his lesson? But it goes back to sometimes you've got to demand that respect, or at least I mean, you tell me if I'm Especially wrong. Especially you've earned it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the paddle yeah. one here in this situation, coach. So you tell yeah. me if what I did in that moment was correct, because I I, I knew that there was a lot at stake there. In my oh, mind, yeah. my, the only thing I was thinking about is, okay, well, what if what if I let him get away with this? Because I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I said, okay, what if I let him get away with this? What precedent does that set? How bad is that going to be? Who else is he going to tell? Who else is here that heard Who's that? Who's watching? Exactly. Yeah. And, so, and then if he does it then, there'll be a point in time when he gets used to it. Exactly. That I he does it at school. Exactly. And, you know, you have to set that precedent. And I'm going to tell you what. First of all, you have to be in it long enough to earn that respect. Mm-hmm. You don't just walk in on first job and you say, I've earned it. No, you had not earned it yet. You have to earn that part. Here's where you know you've earned it. When you go back to somewhere where you, where you went to school at and you're teaching and coaching. Right there. here, yeah, like and me. I, yeah, for example, and for you. you. I mean, we're, we're I was both too. in the same spot, yeah. Is those teachers that you're now working with call you coach. And they don't say, hey, Nick. You know, it just becomes – it becomes such a habit to them that they don't even call you Nick. And a lady is fixing to retire that taught me – she was old when she taught me and she was still there. She said, hey, coach, how you doing? When you've gotten to that point, you know you've you've earned it. Because it'd be so easy for them to 
what they used to call you? Nick. Yep. Hey, Nick. Or hey, Michael. Mm-hmm. But they still call you coach. And then next thing you know, everywhere you go, people call you coach. Mm-hmm. You know, even and, and look, the guys that I played ball with got to the point where they just started calling me coach. Yeah. And some of that may have been that they knew their kids were going to grow up and they didn't want them to come and say, hey, Michael. Exactly. It just, they call me coach. My nieces call me coach. Yeah. It's just, well, they grew up because I coached both of them, you yeah. know, doing, doing girls sports too. That'll humble you when you've had to coach, when I coached girls. It was yeah. probably the mo- some of the most enjoying times was coaching girls because they, they were sponges. Yeah. They didn't know what was going Shea on. Shay says the same thing. I mean, they listen to, to everything that yeah. you say to them. Yeah. Whereas a guy would think, I've been doing this since I was 12. Yeah. I was Little League All-Star. Well, they don't know, but they're, they're going to listen to everything. They're exactly. going to be sponges. So, you know, that's that's all important. That's all part of it. And uh, I mean, there's it's just like for younger coaches, a lot of them think now that this the glitz and the glamour, mm-hmm. you know, to get to the glitz and the glamour part, you got to weed eat, you got to cut grass. Yeah. And a lot of them now will look at you, I got to cut grass? I got to weed eat? Yeah. I got to spray the fields? I got to do all that? I mean, they want every day to be game night. And there's a whole lot more. Game night was actually, to me, uh, you know, everybody would say, man, don't you just love game night? I said, well, to be honest with me, what I miss more about retirement and being retired is practice, the grind to get there. Yeah. Game night was easy. If you do it right, game night's easy. It's getting there, getting to the point of playing a game. That's the part I miss, really, is is the practicing been out there when it's 110 and watching a guy just about give it up. Just fixing. You've seen it. I'm fixing to quit and give up. But then there's something there that you have found somewhere, whether it was in the weight room or all those other teachable moments that you have, that he looks back and he says, I I can't give up. I can't quit. That's when that guy really becomes part of the team. And You know, and it's so so funny that you said that because I told this story on our way in here. You know, we had a, a kid who hadn't played football he hadn't played football in years. And then somehow his senior year, our head coach, Shay Monroe, convinced him to, to come out. Mm-hmm. And he was, a, I mean, he was a defensive guy, you know, 195, 200, well, over 200 pounds, probably 205, 200, 205. Stocky, you know, every bit of six foot, good looking, corn, cornbread fed kid. I mean, just a good old country tough kid. I mean, the dude had more facial hair as a senior than I'll ever have in my life. You know, one of those kids. <laughs> he was already grown. Basically, yeah. I mean, he had a he had a landscaping business he ran in the summer. He cut like 40 yards or something, you know. He was a I mean, hard the, worker. He, he was a great kid, raised by a great family, but he hadn't played football in a while. Well, mm-hmm. Shea convinces him to come out. Well, he he doesn't just slide right in. It's an adjustment. I mean, yes. when you haven't played football in six years, yeah. since basically youth league, it's it's a serious adjustment. It's an adjustment for the other guys too. Absolutely, the because they're not the used to him. They're just not going to buy in and bring him in. You got to earn your way in. And and that was hard for him because he was so independent. Yeah. And so he had to figure out how to be a part of a team because, mm-hmm. as you know, coach football is not an individual sport. No. I mean, there there are eleven guys out there on the field. Has to work together, and you've all got to work together. It can't be just a one man show. No, I mean some some sports can. Very yeah, <laughs> very rarely you might be able to get away with that in football. But mm-hmm. still, there's going to be a weakness that that other team can expose. 
Well, so he had to figure that out. But at the same time, we as a coaching staff, mostly our defensive guys, they had to figure out where to, to like you said earlier, put him in the best position to make him successful. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about the fifth game of the season, because he was miserable, Coach. His best friend had quit like <clears throat> a month, why, three, four weeks into the <clears throat> season. Best friend had quit. Mm-hmm. And we honestly thought he was going to quit. We said, okay, that's the last straw. He's miserable every day at practice. Mm-hmm. He talks about it to the other kids. They're coming up to us and telling us how miserable he is. And we're doing everything we can to, it, to try to put the kid into a position to make him enjoy the sport, and we're, we're, we're doing everything we can. We're racking our brains. Well, finally, out of necessity, we have to move him. We tried him at linebacker, tried him at outside, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Well, finally, we're just like, look, let's try him at, at D. We'll just try him on the line, see, see if he likes it. You know, fire off the ball, go get the quarterback, basically, is, is pretty much yeah. what, how we enticed him you into that position. You can't teach him a whole lot in one year. Yes. And so, especially with only five games left in the season, you know, five games left in the regular yeah. season. Because so, this is halfway through the season at this point. Coach, I've never seen a kid flip a switch like that. I'm talking mm-hmm. like instant. Yeah. The kid was so in love with that position, so in love with the sport, so in love with his role and his responsibility. It was an easier position to learn too. But it goes back Not to a lot what of raising keys. Exactly. It was us capitalizing on him just being tough. That's right. Like it was really a matter of okay, okay, JJ, you got to go be the toughest kid on that line. You got to be tougher than the guy inside or head up you. Man, you that, was, that you, was easy for him. Exactly. I mean, being a landscaper, that's all he'd done. Been yeah. out in the hot, and I'm gonna be tough. I'm gonna be tough. This guy's not gonna out tough me. That's right. And he mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And yeah. and like I told you in the car, you know that last game of the season, you talking about a kid that never showed emotion. That kid cried. Oh yeah. Because he was having to give up something that he loved. He fell in love with football. Granted, you know it's. It's a little. It's a little. Um, I know it's a little dramatic, but he found he fell in love with something just a little too late, yeah. and it's it's crazy because you hear stories like that all the time. I mean, you hear stories about kids that you know, man, that kid was so good. He he quit playing football, his or basketball, whatever it may be, baseball, softball. They quit playing their junior year, and they could have gone and played at the next level. And I've seen plenty like it. And it's it breaks your heart. It, it really, really does. It breaks your heart. And you kind of think back to yourself as a coach, or at least I do, because I've seen kids like that. You talk about pushing kids to their limit, and then they finally get it. Mm-hmm. It clicks when it doesn't happen, when it doesn't click, when you do lose a kid. Mm-hmm. How do you bounce back from that? Well, first of all, you have to make yourself understand it is not for everybody. And you try to make it for everybody, but it's not. And you just have to accept the fact that, it maybe it just wasn't for that person. We can't overcome. You know, they say the apple don't fall far from the tree. Sometimes that tree's not real good, yeah. and we can't overcome that. It may be a rotten apple. I'm not saying that kid's rotten, but let me tell you a quick story here. I've got a kid one time, and he was a little undersized, and we had him on the offensive line, and he was actually getting to play for us. And he decides one of those when our girls' basketballs in the, you know, playing in the region up in Jacksonville. We told all the kids, you know, you got to sign a piece of paper and, you know, to get out of school, to go up there and bring, sure you bring the ticket back, you know, all the mm-hmm. stuff everybody does. Well, most of them probably didn't think that I was coming up there. Being athletic director, I was going to watch our girls play. So I'm up there and I decided that 
halftime to go into the bathroom. Well, I went in the bathroom, and one of my players, who was a junior at the time, had undoubtedly went with some buddies and did some things he didn't need to do, and he was in there singing in the bathroom and raising cane, and I'm sitting there, and I wish you could have seen his face, and he turned and looked at me, and I was using the bathroom, and he is, and he's real loud. He knew I knew. He knew he was caught. And here's where you have to, as a coach, make sure you don't make so many rules that you back yourself in a corner and can't get out of it. And he was wrong. And, uh, I, you know, in, in this position, because each kid's different, they are, and, and he went through a lot of stuff at home and, you know, kind of raised himself probably a whole lot. Well, he uh, did not sit with the rest of the team. I stayed out there, and he sat with me the rest of the night. Uh, he did not ride home with the people he went to the game with. He rode back with me. And this was like a Thursday night game. And I said, make sure in the morning you meet me at the school at 6 o'clock. He said, I don't have a way to get there. I said, at 6 o'clock, I'll be there. Make sure you're there. Find a way. He got his mother to bring him. And he was there at 6 o'clock. And we went outside. And uh, I told him, we've we got some things to do for you to, to still be a part of the program. Because, see, this is basketball season. And wrestling was, was still going on. So he's a wrestler. I said, you're, you're going to finish wrestling. I said, because in that sport, if I take you out, I've just hurt that whole team too. So yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. So you're going to you're going to keep doing that part for the team, but you're fixing to suffer over here. And uh, we took a 45-pound plate, and he put it above his head, and uh, we went around and round and round and round for about an hour. And when he got over there to me, boy, he was, I mean, he was, he was dying. He said, Coach, man, I've learned my lesson. I said, oh, I mean, we're not done. <laughs> he said, what do you mean we're not done? I said, this is day one. Yeah. He said, when are we going to get finished? I said, when I feel like you've learned a lesson. So after 12 days of running around for over an hour, you know, 45-pound plate. 12 days? 12. 12 days. 12 days. But it's a hardcore kid now. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. You knew it was going to be more than a day just to break him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had to, to get his attention. And And he got broke. I mean, he finally broke down, crying. I'm not going to do this again. I promise, because there's people nowadays that can cry and do all that in front of you and all that drama, and they can act it up and turn around and dry them tears up and go about their business. But I knew it was genuine, and uh, I know it now for sure, because that boy joined the Army. That was his route out. Spent many days in Afghanistan. Actually, there's some movies made that he got to watch, because he was there when they made those movies in Afghanistan. Really? And he, he said, I spent many days out there just wondering back to my football days because that was the only way I was going to make it because I'd be by myself out there on a forward post in Afghanistan and had to go through a lot. And he said, football helped me to, to stay alive, literally, because there was times when that I didn't think we was going to make it back. He said, there was a hundred of them shooting at you and, and you're by yourself. You know, your next guy is another hundred clicks away from you in another hole on the side of a mountain of rocks. And I'm, you know, searching. He said, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's big. But you know what? He got out. He's retired. He's a contractor out in California. And all of a sudden he told me about two months ago, he said, Coach, while I've been out there doing this, I went back and I got my teaching degree. No way. He said, I want to be a teacher now. So he's retired, okay, out of the military and took his early retirement. And now he's uh, a teacher. Not coaching. He said, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> he said, I'm a little bit too hardcore for that. He said, but I want to teach because I want to make a difference in somebody's life. He said, I appreciate you and the whole staff yeah. for or teaching me. He said, if not, I'd have been way down the wrong wrong lane. He said, because I'm going to tell you what, it wasn't easy carrying that 45-pound plate. 
But he said, you know what? I carried a 100-pound knapsack on my back every day, in and out, up and down the mountains. He said, so football really taught me a lesson and really kept me alive. So when you hear stories like that, because I know, you know, you being you, and, and I've known you for about a year now, and you, you've got other stories like that, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, what does, does, does that, now that you're retired, does that, do you find yourself thinking about that more now that you're done with coaching than you did when you were in coaching? Yeah. Or did you always kind of have that God and light, this is why I'm here, this is why I'm doing it? Yeah. Or were you so focused on the, hey, we got to get these, these plays installed, i got to go cut the grass, we got to paint the field, got to go to this booster club meeting? That first 10 years as a head coach, I was so focused on what I had to do mm-hmm. that I finally talked to an older coach, said, look, you got to slow down. Like when you go out tonight mm-hmm. and you're playing a big game, completely forget about what plays you got to call or what you got to do or if you're going to have a coin flip or whatever and just take your time and look in the bleachers and see why you're there. Because all of a sudden you get to look and you're going to say, man, you know, that guy played here too or that girl was a cheerleader for us at one time or, you know, the, the, the band and just smell the grass, which a lot of places you can't smell the grass anymore, but just smell the grass and take time. You know how they say take time and smell the coffee? He said, just take time and smell the atmosphere. He said, we don't spend enough time smelling the atmosphere. He said, because what happens is you get so caught up and you never look at why you're there, you end up getting out. And it's so much easier for people to get out now because they, they forget why they're there. Yeah. And that happens all the time. So I started catching myself saying, man, this is why I'm here. You know, hey, it's raining so hard we can't see, but this is why I'm here. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the... Toughest game in America, maybe next to wrestling. It's the toughest game in America, and I'm getting to be a part of it. And, and that's, that is a uh, that is a uh, it's humbling, and it's something that I don't take for granted, yeah. or did take for granted because it was it's so much fun to be a part of it. So when I taught myself to stop before every game, or even after a game, because I would even a loss, a bad loss, I would just stop and look. Say, I'm lucky to even be here. Because there's some guys that would love to be out there, win or lose. They'd like to be a part of it, and they're not. So you're getting to be a part of one of the greatest sports there ever was. And by being a part of that, you ought to be, you know, you ought to accept that fact and be humbled and say, man, I'm, I'm proud to be here. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I, I had a friend of mine that I went to high school with, and he told me, he said, man, you have no idea, do you? Because we were talking about the upcoming season. I think this was last season. We were talking about the upcoming season, and we were talking about what we had going on, and I was talking about everything that <laughs> we had to, you know, we had to get through and all the obstacles we had to overcome, and he's just like, man, you just, you don't know, do you? I'm like, what are you talking about? And this is a 26-year-old talking to a 26-year-old. Mm-hmm. He said, dude, I'd love to be doing what you're doing. That's right. He said, I would love to be doing what you're doing. And he said, you, you, made, you made the choices to be where you are, That's and right. I made the choices to be where my, I am, but... I would love to be you in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, I didn't play football in high school. Yeah. I didn't, I, that is my, my, so far in my life, that is my biggest regret. Mm-hmm. And my brother didn't play, he played when he was younger, but he didn't play until his senior year. Mm-hmm. So it was really when I went down to Auburn after I graduated from high school and I was a part of that program that, what Bubba Walls had initially sparked in me mm-hmm. sort of fully came to, you know, if we're going to be metaphorical here, yeah. kind of fully bloomed 
and where I really fell in love with this sport. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I never wanted to be a coach. You know, you and I were talking. But it about, was starting I, to. It, the seeds had been planted. Yeah, and Buddy did it when it when it hit. Man, there yeah. was no running from it. And I. You know what you're like. I, you ever seen a, a a Chinese bamboo? Mm-hmm. How they put the seed in the ground? Yeah. And it takes over five years for whatever pops out of the ground. Yeah. And but somebody's still watering it every day and fertilizing it every day. And then once it pops out, it takes ninety days to grow ninety feet. That's insane. So did it did it start happening? After it popped out of the ground, no, it started happening five years ago. Yeah. Somebody was watering it. So yeah. you know, Bubba planted the seed. You just didn't know it. I didn't. Hey, Aaron, I think Coach Murphy's wanting in. You may want to go let him in. Let, uh, me, tell you, let me tell you a sign I had made okay. when I was in the field house. And I put it up in our field house when we built a new field house. And it's a, it's a, it's a picture of Cleburne County High School mm-hmm. and a football player there on his knees in front of the goalpost. And it says, you know, I, make sure every day that you're playing – for everyone that ever played here at the school, you're playing for everybody that's playing here right now. But more importantly, you're playing for all those guys that are coming. Yeah. So every day you have to represent yourself for those guys that played here before, yeah. the guys that are playing here now, and the guys that are playing in the future. Yeah. And that's not just a player, that's a coach. Yeah. So that's, that's a big responsibility. And some people can't handle that. You know, some people are just going to be. And I understand we say you, you need to be where your feet are at. Yeah. I understand that. But, boy, you better be thinking about what happens in the future, too, because you control that. You know, it's funny you say that because I, we, we've been doing some renovations to our uh, field house lately. Mm-hmm. And so we've been given – we've been given <laughs> – are you good over there, David? You good? Okay. He hasn't changed at all. Not a lick. <laughs> So, but we've been giving tours of the field house. Uh-huh. And, man, we had a guy. He played on the 77, he, he, mid to late 70s here at mm-hmm. Asheville. And he, he came on a tour of the field house. And what we did was we put a, a, a wall up in our field house, a history wall. That's right. And it shows the history of our football program mm-hmm. from its inception to now. Yeah. And he's up on that wall. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me emotional just talking about it. But. He, when, when he saw the weight room and all the improvements we'd done in the weight room, the team room, what we're about to do to the locker room, and when he saw that hallway, you know, he left crying mm-hmm. because of what it meant to him. But this is what struck me because, you know, I'm like, of course, you know, I shouldn't say this, but of course he's going to get emotional. He's, he's going back to a time That's right. gone by. You know, he can't go out there anymore. He's older now. It's it's getting to the point where he's he's getting hard to move around. Mm-hmm. But he said this, and this was huge, because I never really, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about this, but obviously he has. He said, "I'm so glad and I'm so proud of what these kids are getting to experience, and I'm so happy that I played a small part in what these kids are experiencing now." That's right. So it goes back to what you said about mm-hmm. the future. That's right. Those kids that are coming. When you made that picture of that player on his knee mm-hmm. and, the, and that phrase, that played out right there in that sentence from that guy. It sure did. And not only do his playing days mean a lot to him, but the program means a lot to him. That's right. The, these kids that are here now mean a lot to him. These coaches, this community, what that, we're doing now. Let me mention something to you that's important that a lot of people overlook is when you're like doing that wall, for example, and you're talking about the history of the school. To me, it's very important because some people 
don't get this, but when I used to always do anything as far as the history of the school, you know how people used to get those Phil Neal pictures and they'd have the, the, the team on there? and the, Yeah, one of these right here. That's probably by Phil Neal. <laughs> that that's, is, a, that's a Phil Neal. That's a Phil Neal. That's a, that's one of these right here. 79 Phil Neal. Why is this made? Why did they make this? Why was it made? To honor that, that those guys. To honor that team and those guys. Yeah. Is there one for every year? Uh, did somebody do one of these every year? I don't know. Did they? Here? Yeah, we just had new ones made okay. for the wrestling team. There's a lot of places that I've seen these Phil Neal posters done, mm -hmm. okay? And that Phil Neal poster right there represents a big year. Yeah. You see all these names of these players? Well, these are the records, and you got players on here, I'm sure? Yeah, you got players right here. Yeah, coaches. Because this team went 31-1, and one, and wow. it was, and, uh they lost in the state. What was it? The state uh, fi semifinals or finals? Semis. Semis. Lost in the, yes, that was their only loss. Seventy nine team. Wow. Well, you know they got beat one time in all yeah. those highly. So they're representing <laughs> yeah. something big. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, that's why every year that I was in it, one of the, for football on the mm -hmm. football side, every one of these was made good or bad. The good years and the bad years, because just because there's a bad year, they may have been five guys got hurt. They may, we may have been having a decent team, but we got reclassified into a, a new region that we didn't even have a Chinaman's chance of winning. Yeah. But, you know, those guys still put in great effort. They put just as much effort into it as anybody else. They just may have not have been good enough to win 13 games or 12 games. So they deserve to have a chance to be a part of that history yeah. just like anybody else. And sometimes when you go into a school, when I go into a school and I'm looking, now that I'm retired, I get to go to a lot of places. Yeah. And I asked last year, I asked the guy, I said, do y'all win every year? He said, well, no, we've had some bad years. I said, then why aren't they represented? You don't represent bad. I said, well, it may not have been so bad. It may have been the best they could do. So that goes back to I'm thinking you as a coach got to figure out how good can we be this year because sometimes you might do your best job coaching and you win five games because yeah. you just don't have enough talent. There are years where there's not enough there. Sometimes now, you just got to have the Jimmys and the Joes. Jimmys and the Joes are a lot of NIL money in high school nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Hazelwood doesn't exist anymore. But, you, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that think we're going to celebrate Victories, and you should. You should celebrate bigger years, maybe maybe a little bit more. But they always got to be celebrated every year because they put forth a lot of effort. You put forth a lot of effort, and it all needs to be celebrated. And I think a lot of people come short when it comes to celebrating every year. Yeah. We forget about that team that give it their all, and they only won four. Yeah. I mean, it just it happens, and, 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 th and we forget that, that sometimes. Well, I think it does a lot. I mean, just think about it as a pro from a from a program perspective. Like this is how I'm going to think about it, and I hate to even admit this, but there are going to be kids that I just I'm going to forget that they were on that team, or I'm going to forget X memory and Y memory and and what we did at that practice. Hey, coach, remember that practice that one time it was raining and you forgot and and, and you yeah. But if you've got that, you don't if you've forget. got that, you don't you don't forget. You go back and you look at that, and I know he does it all the time as an assistant coach, mm -hmm. you know, and looks back on his ten years when he was coaching here. He's probably got his old wristband. Yeah, he well he uh, he he he's got some stories now about you. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about the about these names. Uh -huh. Some of these guys on these names probably aren't weren't good enough to play much. Very rarely got on the field. 
But when they're 35 years old and you're looking for some money to help build something. Exactly. <laughs> you go to him and you say, hey, man, we sure would love you to be a part of the program yeah. and this and that. And he says, hey, do you, y'all don't even have my year up there on the, in the school anywhere. That's happened to us before. We didn't catch, yeah. we didn't win but three games. Yeah. Hey, you, I mean, if I'm going to sponsor you, I mean, you don't even mention my name. Yeah. So you better remember that when you're, as a coach and you're out there trying to promote your program you got to promote it when it's good and promote it when it's not bad it's we had a bad year Mm -hmm. the program's not bad we just had a bad year and some people say well what's happened now y'all changed you're not doing the right thing i'm still doing the same thing it's just we don't have as many people as we used to have have and and a lot of times people don't understand they think it's just the coach it's the coach it's the community it's the assistant coaches it's the players it's the culture and administration because a lot of times Fed administration from top to bottom is not the same, it's not going to work. It's not. It's time for you as a coach, if the administration is not behind the program and you and everybody else, maybe it's time to get on a bus and go somewhere else. Last question before we go. What is the one piece of advice that you think is the most important for assistant coaches, head coaches, any sport, anywhere out there? Well, simple. You need to be, uh, you need to be Nick Wilson. Don't try to be, uh, okay, let me think. All right, don't try to be a John Gross. Don't try to be a Russ Probst. Don't try to be a Shane Monroe. Be Nick Wilson. Be who you are. Because when you start trying to be somebody else, you're not going to be yourself, and it's just not going to work. And I learned that real quickly. You just better be who I am because you're the one that's got to wake up every day and look in the mirror. So if you're happy with what you see in the mirror, then that's all that matters. Coach, I appreciate you coming on, man. This I enjoyed it. I had no idea. This has been fun. No, but I plan to once we got done. <laughs> He's not happy with that answer. Guys, we, got uh, we, 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 ran out, we ran out of time. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we really do appreciate it. This, has been, this, is, this is cool. This is something new we're going to do. Coach, I know we're going to have you back on, so get ready. I'm going to be calling you again. And I, I really do appreciate your, your mentorship. And your friendship, I, I got really, plenty really of time. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I'm glad we've got to know one another. Over got the, over your number. Anytime you need anything, give me a shout. Absolutely, I will. Can I come watch practice sometime? Absolutely. Coach you Monroe won't mind. No, okay. no. I mean, you're a you're a legend, man. Oh yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a legend. Come on. It depends on where you're talking at. <laughs> Guys, thank you uh, for listening and tuning in. Don't forget, you can watch this podcast if you're a Spotify subscriber. You can watch this on Spotify. You can listen on all other major podcast platforms. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast to support our efforts to try to get as many coaches' stories out there as possible, email us, guesswhatcoach at gmail.com. We really do appreciate it. Once again, Coach, thanks for coming on. I can really I throw a shout out? Absolutely. And, and I don't need a sponsorship for this. but No, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to be a part of something special this year. It's going to promote all the high schools. I'm so glad you're mentioning In the 6th District. The 6th District covers a lot of counties and covers a lot of schools. Asheville being one of them. So I'm going to be working with uh, the famous, the legend, you want to talk about John Holder. John, the man John Holder. That used to be Pigskin Roundup, but now he has his own show called High School Football Alabama. And we are going to do something this year that's never been done as far as on the high school level, how we present the show. That'll be a secret for now. And uh, me and John and one other guy who has not been named yet, but he's going to be there. And uh, you can tune in every Friday night from 945 to 12 o'clock at night, and you'll get every score in the district. 
and not only will you get scores, you'll get stats. We'll have uh, uh, Skype calls, telephone calls, whatever, people actually coming in live on the show. We're going to sit around a table just like we are right here and discuss every game that's played, some more than others, yeah. but there'll be stats. So if Asheville High School sends me their stats at the ball game, <laughs> and, and you, do, you have a good night, good or bad, we want stats. We're going to throw them out there so people will have a place to tune in and hear about that. So I think it's going to be a special show because when do you get stats now? Like the next Wednesday because there's no newspaper yeah. and it's really not on TV. So you don't have to pay for it. So if you can get the Internet, you'll be able to find us. So I got a, I got a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Would there be an, any chance that I would ever be able to come and at least swing by and watch y'all do your magic on Friday night after after, oh, yeah. after I get done. Yes. If y'all are going to be there tomorrow. I can make that call because I've done it a lot of times <laughs> last year. And you can come in and watch the, the whole staff because we got a meeting next week. Because I got media days next week. I got Etowah County, I got Calhoun County, Talladega County, and then Randolph, Cleburne, and Clay. And I got all those media days to meet all those coaches. So I have met, by the time I'm finished, I would have met every head coach in the 6th District. That's and plus insane. some of them out. That's so insane. everybody's going to send the stats. So not only are you going to get scores, you're going to get stats of who had a big night, whether it be offense or defense. If the coach sends it, yeah. I'm going to present it out there. And it's just going to be on a round table, really relaxed setting, like an SEC final I'm, I'm on Saturday night. So I'm excited to be a part of it, privileged to be a part of it. And to bring my perspective about analyzing games, I'm going to pick a game of the week that I go to. Yeah. And uh, – Somewhere where I can get back, you know, close Real enough quick, yeah. to the ball game. I mean, to the show, and uh, we do it right out of the basement of Parker Memorial Baptist Church is where we're at. They have a whole TV set. That's awesome downstairs. So I, I'm really excited about doing that, and it gives me a an, another way to get back, you know, and stay around football. Because yeah, you know, I miss that part. Boy, I don't miss some of the parenting, but I miss <laughs> I miss I miss the grind. Yeah, yeah, Coach. I really do appreciate it, man. Hey, thank, thank you. you. I look forward. I look forward to watching and tuning in, and maybe. Maybe coming by and watch players. you and John and everybody do y'all's thing. Yeah, a, a game, away games, players turn their phone on, they can watch it on their phone. Coaches can too. I'm excited. Y'all tune in, seriously, because this episode is going to drop like the first week of football season. Mm-hmm. So tune in, guys. Seriously, tune in. I know it's going to be great. John Holder, he's a legend. Yes. You're a legend. There's going to be so many great people behind the scenes working. I know. Oh, unbelievable. It's, I'm, I'm pumped. I really am. But, guys, yeah. thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Hey, look. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this on Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast. It really does help the show. It promotes the show. Follow us, follow us on social media. If you have a question you want us to answer with one of our guests as they come on, once again, email us, guesswhatcoach at gmail.com, guesswhatcoach at gmail.com. But in the meantime, guys, y'all stay classy, and uh, thank you for tuning in.